Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I'm your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I have the opportunity to to talk with Scott Reichenbach, the director and co-founder of the nonprofit organization, Hope Walks. Hope Walks is a nonprofit organization that's focused on providing clubfoot treatment in low-income countries around the world. I'll let Scott tell you all about the work that Hope Walks is doing and where they're hoping to go in the future. And we'll also talk about a fun project they have started that allows people to become more personally involved in a child's clubfoot care. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for being here. And I'm excited to hear more about Hope Walks. Hi, Maureen. It's great to meet you. And thank you for your podcast. I think it's been awesome and I hope super helpful for other moms around the U.S. Well, that's the goal. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. So let's dive right in. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about Hope Walks, what the organization does, and how it got started. Yeah, Hope Walks is an international nonprofit. We work in 16 countries around the world, uh, low and middle income countries, to teach and train healthcare providers how to do the Ponsetti method of clubfoot treatment. And in addition to teaching and training, we make sure they have the supplies they need, good quality plaster, the Mm. braces that they need. And then a lot of time and effort is spent on just raising awareness, what clubfoot is, Mm. how it can be treated, where families can access care. And then just working with national health systems to make sure clubfoot care and treatment is available readily across the country so all kids can access it. So we work across Africa and Latin America right now. And uh, we got started in 2006. We were part of a much larger organization Mm -hmm. and it was a hospital-based organization that was doing surgery on older kids with club foot. Mm -hmm. And so they were finding the 10, 12, 14-year-olds who didn't get treatment. Mm. And obviously at that point, it's major surgical intervention. Right. So for years they were doing surgery on these older kids. And in 2006 is, you know, and I've heard on your podcast, you know, the Ponsetti method was gaining more and more right. world renown. And so it had reached Africa and they said, we just got to turn off the tap and start mm-hmm. treating these kids as infants. So in mm. Kenya and Malawi are the first two places where they started. Um, doing what we're doing today, teaching and training local healthcare providers. So families didn't have to travel all the way into the capital city or to the certain hospital, mm-hmm. um, but making care more available throughout the, the country. And so this program just exploded and mm-hmm. um, ex- quickly expanded to 17 countries, oh. um, lots and lots of clinics. And then it got to the point of, okay, are we doing hospital-based surgical care? Are we doing more of this community-based teaching and training for Clubfoot? So after some leadership change at the organization in 2018, they said, hey, why don't we divide and conquer? And uh, if you'll take the Clubfoot program, you know, they'll keep doing the surgery. And so now it's, it's been a great relationship in that we have a great referral network now for older kids that we find or kids that have some problems Mm-hmm. You can refer them into the surgical network uh, to get the care they need. But yeah, so 2018, we became Hope Walks. We rebranded, became Hope Walks. And uh, 
it's been an amazing journey to launch wow. a nonprofit on day one, having 16 programs and uh, then wow. have a pandemic hit, but uh, yeah, God's been good. Yeah. And then having to readjust everything. Yeah. But I think what, what the pandemic has shown us is that the model that we're using works mm. um, with teaching and training local healthcare providers. If we relied on Americans going back and forth or Europeans going back and forth, mm -hmm. the program would have fallen apart. But mm. because, you know, we have 40 clinics across Ethiopia, you know, the healthcare providers live in these towns. And so once the hospitals were back open, care could continue. And so even during the pandemic, once we got through that initial May, June phase or April, May phase, when wow. the clinics really shut down, we saw an 18% increase in the number of kids we treated during the pandemic because wow. we're, we live there. Well, we, I live here, but our yeah. team lives around the world, you know, right? they make it happen. So yeah. 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 Cause you're focused on training the people who are there to do it as opposed to bringing people in. Correct. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of the Ponsetti method, right? right? It's, yeah, it's, it truly, it's not as simple as we like to say it is, but it's, it's yeah. simple casting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, even you were talking about your own journey and having to see a surgeon and a doctor um, right. in Africa, there's so few surgeons. And mm -hmm. so these people are trained to cut, they're trained to be in the operating room. And mm. because there's so few of them, we need to let them be in the operating room because there's a lot yeah. of surgical need. And so we've been able to take it and develop this Africa clubfoot training program or what today it's used around the world. So it's now known as ACT mm. to teach mid-level providers. So to teach yeah. physiotherapists, nurses, cast techs, how to do it. And if the more you do, the more proficient you get. And so those mm -hmm. are some of the metrics that we watch to make sure that they're doing a lot of cases and they, they're awesome. Uh, it's wow. amazing because they cast and cast and cast them these days. So Yeah. It seems yeah. to be that with club foot treatment, the more experience you have doing the casting and with all different types of club feet, the more well-trained you are as a provider. It's just hands-on yeah. feet. It seems a lot of the time. Yeah, no, it's it's an art form, and I, yeah. you know, I don't know if this is true, but they say you know Dr. Ponsetti's hands were sort of, you know, arthritic in the shape of a holding a foot, you yeah. know, because he held so many feet over the years that um, it's just the way his hand became, and so that's really yeah. what we find is, man, we just need to train people and let them do do do. And, yeah, uh, and let them get the quality yeah. experience in order yeah. to continue to move forward. So do you do it in like clinic? Are you creating clubfoot clinics or is it within a, like a larger yeah. healthcare system? Yeah, it's within the larger healthcare system. So we okay. work um, within the normal hospital where families would come, where maybe the baby was even delivered, you know, okay. if they have an orthopedic department. So mm. we work with the government to say, hey, you know, we want to help you guys provide this service. You know, where do you have orthopedic departments that we can go in and teach and train? And then one day a week in their outpatient department or their clinic day, we turn into a Hope Walks Club Foot Clinic. Wow. And um, so it's, we don't have brick and mortar buildings. Yeah. We, 
you know, for you, it's like going to Denver Children's and we would just right. help Denver Children's run a club foot clinic one day a week. And so mm-hmm. um, that's where it happens within the normal hospitals. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so well, and that's, yeah, sorry. I mean, that's one of the challenges, right? Like I think mm-hmm. historically a lot of NGO or missionary healthcare was, oh, we're going to build this place and then everybody's going to come. Well, the reality is getting to that facility is a challenge. So we need to get it out. Wow. To where the people are. And so yeah. let's put it in those existing health centers all over a country. Yeah, like utilizing the resources that are already there. Correct. And then adding yeah. to So it. if a pandemic happens and we can't get there, yeah. it's already happening within that facility. Yeah, the so. infrastructure is already there and yeah. happening and yeah. able to continue to build on cool. after those months that everything was closed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. So where did you, like what, so what was the motivation beside behind starting Hope Walks in particular? Like, I know you talked a little bit about breaking off from the larger group. Was there a specific reason with Clubfoot? Was it because there was a lot of need for it? What Did you see a lot of people who were looking for it? Or what was kind of the reason behind starting it? Yeah, I, well... When you meet moms like you or who are so passionate and you meet these awesome little guys and girls that are running and walking who had club foot, like mm-hmm. you got to, right? Yeah. And so for years I had been involved in it and mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine stopping because I knew families wouldn't access care. Kids yeah. wouldn't access care, you know? And, you know, I it's really interesting as I travel, it's the older ones that bother me the most mm. because- you know, you realize like, man, had they found us Mm. four years ago, 10 years ago, like they would be in school, they would be running and playing, they wouldn't be sitting on the sidelines. And so, so yeah, so it was a bit of a no brainer, Mm -hmm. like you had to do it. And also realizing there's so few of us doing it. Mm. And so here's something that truly we can end the disability of club foot in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, it's water is a big issue. Poverty is a big issue. HIV, AIDS, malaria, like, yes. And they're very valuable and they're killing people and causing a lot of problems, but we're going to be doing that for years and years. When you mm-hmm. think there's truly only about 200,000 kids born with club foot, it honestly frustrates me. It makes me a little angry. Like, come on, yeah. like, with all the money that we're spending to go up into space for, you know, a few minutes and come back down. Like if we put that into ending club foot, we could make that happen. So yeah. Yeah. Let's help these. Like, and to me, we're teaching and training people, you know, it's not yeah. me going like it's teaching local providers that will then be able to teach the next generation, teach the next generation so that yeah, kids can grow up and run and play. And who knows, like these kids will, Maybe they're the ones who will end whatever the next and figure out the end of COVID or something. I don't know. Right, right, right. They can change the world. Yeah, it does seem, I can share your frustration that it seems as if it's a treatable disability. Like one of the only is that isn't really, you know, we don't even consider it a disability here in the United States unless it's untreated. Like, 
clubfoot's not a disability unless the treatment didn't go as expected or there's lifetime consequences or so it's interesting that it is treatable but it's not being utilized that way that people right. aren't aware of the treatment that they're not getting the education around it they don't know um, where to even access treatment if it is possible even though it's especially with Dr. Ponsetti's whole method yeah well it's it is it's interesting when you show people a picture of some of these feet yeah you know you even here in the U.S., people are like, wow, what's the surgery like? And I'm like, you know, no, it's it's casts. And it, yeah. it sort of, I think some people here think it's almost too good to be true. And yeah. actually, I was, I was just looking at a picture today. And I'm like, that baby's feet look like that. And here he is eight months later. And that's what his feet look like with simple casts. Like, it's really incredible. And it is. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, that's, yeah we've got to do something. So back to your question, like yeah. why, like we can truly transform the life of this child, but even then the life of the family. I mean, yeah. to, to think of having to tend for your child at home because he can't walk. Mm -hmm. Now you've freed up mom and dad to go get a job and the kid to now go to school and it, it impacts yeah. the entire community. Yeah. And then generations to come. Hopefully Absolutely. if there's more clubfoot, because we know, don't know exactly yeah. the genes, but we know there's a genetic component to it. So right. if your child is treated or you as a child are treated and then able to pass that information along and the education. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generational. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, it, actually, uh, I just did a little Christmas video and talking about a, a child in one of our programs. Mom was born with club foot. Mm. Grandma was born with club foot and relatives were born with club foot. They'd never been treated. And wow. so mom just assumed it can't be treated until she ran into another mom who was mm -hmm. like, hey, you can get treatment at this Hope Walks clinic. Yeah. And yeah. now our kids' feet are straight. And, um, you know, and that one, it's the husband had sort of stepped away mm -hmm. because a lot of what we see is the moms are the one to blame, mm. but now the kids feet are straight. You bring dad back into the picture. You're reuniting a family as well. So wow. it's, it's amazing. It's super cool. Like super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your experience been like with clubfoot treatment in the global setting? Yeah, it's, <laughs> a challenge yeah. Um, yeah. you know it, it's, it's sometimes the challenges are are just basic like access to casting supplies I think mm -hmm. we here in the U.S. certainly take it for granted that you're going to mm -hmm. go to a hospital and they're going to have a roll of plaster that they're going to be able to put on your kids legs um, right around the world that's not always the case mm -hmm. and so you know just to be able to provide good quality plaster make sure there's an availability of braces is something very basic, but, yeah. you know, here, and I've heard moms here talk about the trap, the, the trouble with travel and mm -hmm. figuring out how to get to clinics, you know, that's another big challenge that really impacts our families. Some of them live very remotely. And yeah. so, you know, they've got to get from their house, maybe even to a main road and then a main road to the, to the healthcare center. And it's, 
a long journey. Um, yeah. So you're overcoming those. Education is another big piece. I mean, it's sort of alluded to that a bit. You know, if your mom wasn't treated or grandma wasn't treated, you know, then that's the prevailing thought. And they don't have access to Google to go, you know, yeah. do a search. And um, if they do, to find the resource in their language is a challenge. And so mm. there's a host of barriers to a family accessing care. And for us with COVID, that transportation is one of the biggest things. It's more the economic impact of COVID, which we've mm. seen the most, is that, you know, if they used to sell their produce in a market and the mm -hmm. market's been shut down, now they don't have income. And so how are they going to pay for transportation? I mean, very few of our families have their own vehicle. You know? Right. Uh, Right. We've heard story after story of bicycle journeys, you know, of <laughs> mom, wow. dad, and the baby strapped on a bicycle, you know, riding yeah. into a clinic. And so when you have uh, economic issues like we have currently, mm -hmm. um, that really impacts people's ability to get to the clinic. So there's there's a lot of challenges, but I will say it's amazing their resilience. And yeah. uh, I'm obviously biased, but we have an amazing team. Yeah. You know, when we when we separated and launched on our own, there was a lot of uncertainty, but our entire staff stayed with us and they are super passionate about yeah. it. And we try and instill in them, hey, you can end disability from Clubfoot in your country. Like you can be known as that person. Again, we're just going to try and help facilitate that for you yeah. and help you give you the tools and resources you need to help these kids walk and run and play like every other kid. So yeah, the, the resilience is really incredible. Yeah, it's interesting because I talk a lot about the long-term treatment that is Clubfoot. It's not this one and done sort of situation yeah. where you have surgery, you recover, and you're good. Like, that's not what the Ponsetti method is. That's not what Clubfoot treatment has become. And if transportation is an issue, you could see how this isn't one cast and then your child, yeah. this is several casts over a period of time and then frequent follow-ups. Yeah. Yeah. And but all to me, of them requiring it, yeah. some sort of transportation mm -hmm. or communication with the yeah. provider. Yeah. yeah. That's probably one of the other reasons I... I like this so much. I think it's yeah. it's a simple treatment, but it's super yeah. complicated and it's super yeah. challenging. And, you know, and that's one of those challenges. And so, yeah. you know, it allows you to try and get a little creative. And we haven't, I don't think we've done it to the degree that I think we need to try and figure yeah. it out. But, you know, what would it look like to, you know, have a hostel, like create our own little Ronald McDonald house kind of things where yeah. families could come and stay. But then, yeah, like your situation, you have two other girls at home. You can't come and stay for two or three weeks. But if this was right. your first child, yep. what if you could come and stay and we could do a cast every four days or something and yeah. get you, get those feet straight and then get you back home? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, there's, yeah. But how do we help these families yeah. overcome that? Um, and, but in the same way as we are here, Mm -hmm. They often ask, can we not just have surgery, get it done, one and done? Yeah. Right? And it's like, no, no, you don't, don't like, don't mess with those feet. Like, let's just cast them. It'll be 
better. So um, again, just that's why we incorporate sort of a social work piece Mm. to our program. And I guess that's part of one of the things I left out at the beginning. Like we put, we call them parent advisors in every one of the clinics to act as essentially that social worker to help educate the family, teach and train the mom, you know, or family, whoever's there, you know, this is what the process is. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, those first few visits, you know, moms are just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they going to do that? It's just Mm -hmm. sitting and listening and crying with the mom on the bench and just Mm -hmm. getting them through. But then we get the journey with the family and okay, we're doing casting and then we have the bracing and just teach them how to do the brace and talk through the brace and, you know, be a resource for phone calls about bracing. And so um, just truly being a support for the families. Yeah. Yeah. I think that parent parent advisor role is crucial for parents. I could just, I mean, even here in the United States, it's something that I think is needed and not always provided. Yeah. No, that, that's really an interesting point. Like, I don't, yeah. I'd be curious if there is a clubfoot center in the U.S. that has someone dedicated to the clubfoot kids just to, to follow up. Like, how, how hard is it to pick up the phone? I mean, we did over 100, our staff, sorry, when I say we, not me, our yeah. staff did over 100,000 phone calls last year. Wow. Is they made to the families that we serve. Now, Granted, it's sometimes it's very difficult to make phone calls, but I mean, right. just the dedication to just to take time a couple of days after a clinic visit to say, hey, you're new on bracing. How's it going? Yeah. Or, hey, you have an appointment coming up. And, yeah. you know, just to be a resource person, um, I think even here in the U.S., from the stories I hear, it could be really helpful. So. Yeah, I think there definitely is room for improvement. It was interesting. I was on a podcast with a, a child life specialist oh, who yeah. I had never even heard of what that was before I met with her. I had no, no idea, never been considered, never, you know, and she was mm-hmm. like, when I was telling her our story and about Clubfoot and like, we, they were never given to us as a resource. It was really us forging our own path ahead to go okay, what do I need to know? And creating my own community as opposed to somebody coming in and being like, hey, we're going to be, we're going to help you through. How are you doing? Like, I know there are some clinics out there that do that, but it's not necessary. I've never heard of somebody that's a parent, like advisor. Mm. It's more (laughs) like the orthotist or the physical therapist or somebody else on the clubfoot team who ends up reaching out. Um, But in our case, we didn't even have an orthotist as a you know, when we first moved into Boots and Bar. So we were really kind of thrust into no man's land. And then if you, or what we felt like was no man's land. And, um, but if you have somebody that's calling to check up, especially people who are, um, who need more of the support, I think it's just crucial for them moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where uh, that's one of the areas of growth I see for us. And one of the opportunities that I think we need to do better is to really create a welcoming community environment for these moms to come in and share their journeys and to support their journeys. And 
for us creating WhatsApp groups where moms could text yeah. back and forth and communicate because yeah, within Africa, there's certainly, it's very much of a, a communal or community yeah. uh, setting and people live in community much more than we do here. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I hear around here, I feel like too often is that moms going through this clubfoot journey are so alone and mm-hmm. like, how do we connect you all together? Because you're yeah. not alone. And yeah, there are people before you and there are going to be people after you and yep. tell your story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do yeah. this together. Yeah, that's interesting. So what do you think, like, what do you see as the biggest problem facing like clubfoot treatment on the global setting? And do you think there are solutions to the problem? <laughs> to me, I think awareness. Or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna solve it in the next 30 seconds. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think awareness is probably one of the biggest issues. Mm. Um, even here in the U.S., yeah. when you talk about clubfoot, people don't know what clubfoot is unless they know someone who is born with it. Yeah. Um, and global, like, it, but here in the West, we have the ability to Google it and find out about it. But for mm-hmm. so many of our families, and certainly a mass majority of the world, they don't have access to that, and so. Um, the lack of awareness, the lack of education and understanding mm-hmm. is just probably the bigger issue. Because I think, think about it, if people knew what it was yeah. and knew that it was treated, mm-hmm. you, you would do whatever you needed to do. Well, I think you would. Uh, you would do whatever you need to do to get the care. And right. so many just are like, this looks like it needs surgery. Mm. I can't get to the capital city. I can't afford it. People tell me it's nothing that can, there's nothing that can be done about it. And so they resign themselves to living a life like that. And so yeah, I think that's one of the bigger issues. And then you have, you know, sort of the celebrities here that supposedly were born with Clubfoot that you can yeah. just read about. Uh, you guess they were, but like, man, if they would come out and say that, I think that would be extremely helpful. Um, to just raising awareness because yeah. it's not expensive. Yeah. You know, I, you don't necessarily need an operating room. And so, man, if we could just get the attention of some people, I think we could get the resources to do the teaching and training. I mean, that's the other thing. Like they have, they have the capabilities. Like mm-hmm. we're not bringing anything. They already provide healthcare in these countries. It's just right. putting another tool in their tool belt and making sure they have the resources they need to do it. So um, I think that's, culture plays a big part in it though too. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the cultures, um, you know, there's a, there's a prevailing view in a lot of places that you must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but again, that all comes back to education. And just breaking down that barrier that, hey, it's nothing you did wrong. You didn't mm-hmm. need something wrong. It didn't look at an eclipse moon, or we've heard some crazy stories as to why, you know, yeah. your dress was too tight or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing you did. And so, right. Um, but yeah, to me, it all comes back to education. I think that's an interesting dynamic because you talk about like how they're more communal. Um, 
you know, they live more in a community setting, but then there's also seems to be a bigger stigma. So Mm -hmm. if you've done something wrong or you're viewed as seeing like you did something to cause this to happen, how does that then impact your role and the way that the community supports you in treating your child in a community setting? Because I do think that's a big difference that I've noticed between what we experience here in the United States, like, I don't think there is that large of a stigma. Like there isn't that people pointing at me and saying, well, it's not that I know of pointing at me and saying, you did something to cause your child to have club foot. I think that's readily told to us at every medical appointment at every there, every provider is telling us you didn't do anything. You didn't cause this. There's nothing you could have done to change it. So if that's not the message that moms are receiving, in these communities, how's that then impacting their interaction and the support they receive from their community? Yeah, that's, in addition to the older kids, it's Mm -hmm. watching some of the journey for these moms. So, you know, and I think a lot of your listeners should probably appreciate you like, hey, we're having a baby. Like it's this hugely joyous and awesome experience. And for most of our moms, well, for, I would say, 99.9% 99.9% of our moms, they've not been diagnosed in utero. And so, right. you know, you're, you're finally bringing this mm-hmm. blessing into this world yeah. and, you know, almost proving your worth as a mother, mm-hmm. having this baby, and then out comes this precious little baby, but its feet are twisted. Mm-hmm. And man, your world comes crashing down. So, you know, yeah. listen to some of your previous uh, you know, podcasts, you know, all the postpartum emotions are coming in and yeah. then you're dealing with this and then you're being told you're the one who caused it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these moms come in with just such unbelievable stories of just having to navigate that all alone, which is another reason why we need yeah. these parents. Right, right. Just to encourage the moms. But then the Ponsetti method is so amazing that within a couple casts, mm-hmm. you know, those feet already start to show yep. a little bit of a difference. And then that parent advisor can, can at times come back into the community yeah. and start educating the community and bringing the community around. And it's awesome to see, you know, marriages reunited mm-hmm. and people being brought back into the community. Um, but then there's times when, People have just left the community and they're off on their own now by themselves, still dealing with it. So depends where you are in the world. But um, yeah, we certainly do our best to try and support these moms through it and embrace these beautiful little babies. And, you know, Lord willing, they'll be running and playing and doing everything everybody else was doing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's interesting that the awareness that seems to be a very common thread throughout every everybody. Everyone I talk to in the clubfoot is awareness is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Just bringing yeah. awareness to clubfoot to treatment that it's what it looks like, how and educating parents about what that looks like. Yeah. So it's interesting that that yeah. seems to be a similar yeah, theme throughout. Yeah. And even more important for people who don't even know what it is and how to fix it. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing. Yeah. You were telling me earlier about 
people you've met along the way who you knew mm-hmm. who then are like, oh yeah, I was born with pelvic butt. And you're right. like, I've known you for how long and you never told me this, but it's just, you don't talk about those things, right? Like yep. put on my socks and my shoes and you don't ever see my feet. And hopefully there's very few scars, maybe a little thanotomy scar, but that's yep. about it. And so yep. why would anyone talk about it? Like you've moved on, but there's so many kids that are impacted and Right. And there's so many families. And I think that's the part that's so interesting is because my child is not going to have a long memory of this. Uh, Her sisters probably will know more. Her sisters are going to be in their psyche and their memories because they were older when it happened. And so I think that's part of it is that it just becomes almost it's, it's just a memory from the past. It was just something you went through, not something that you currently go through when everything is corrected and the feet are corrected, but the parents remember. And that's the part (laughs) where I'm like, I'm going to remember forever, not just because I wrote a book, but because like, it was such a huge part of my journey as a parent and how that impacted me. And so it's interesting. I almost, I love hearing from people who've had clubfoot, but I really love hearing from parents who've raised clubfoot kids and their journeys of how, how it has impacted them and their families. And it's just a a family system thing too. It's not just about the person who had clubfoot, you know, Yeah. it's our whole family that is impacted by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what's that's really interesting that you bring that up because I'd be curious. I bet your daughters are super sensitive to that now. Oh, yeah. And probably see those things in the world that probably us as adults just walk past. But, um, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting as they grow up how this whole experience journey with their sister mm-hmm. through this. Um, but hopefully, like, man, there's so much you can learn through it, you know, I the know. resilience and, yep you know, this looked like such a difficult thing. And now you, they watch their sister run and play and ski and, you know, and yeah. like everybody else. And so, it's, yeah, it's almost like a badge of honor for them now because they'll be like, oh yeah, this is, you know, cause our daughter still wears her brace. And so, mm-hmm. and my, my little one's like super into showing everybody her room. I don't know where this came from, but like, you want to <laughs> see my room. So like anybody that comes into our house, like, do you want to see my room? And so whoever comes in and then it leads to, cause of course her boots and bar are out, you know, cause yeah. that's where they are in her sleep spot in her room. And so then it turns into this whole conversation of, Oh yeah, uh, she was born with clubfoot. And this is what, this is what her feet look like. And then it becomes this whole story of what she has been through and more so I think for the older girls than even for her, for her, she's like, Oh yeah, that's just my boots and bar. Like, that's just right. it. like for her, she thinks, everybody does this. This is just, everyone had to wear boots and bar. Everybody does wear boots and bar until they reach a certain age and then they don't anymore. Um, but from the girls, the older ones, they really noticed the difference between, you know, what their sister's experience was versus their experience and how that impacts them and their personalities overall. Like my littlest is the most resilient, like we all went to get flu shots recently and all three of them had to get them. And our, my three-year-old had to go first because the older two were too scared. That's and so the three-year-old gets it, doesn't cry, yeah. nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? She just rolls with the punches. And I think part of that is because 
she's so much, she's used to that. She's used to doctor's appointments. She's used to, um, you know, it's just part of her makeup now. Yeah. Where it yeah. isn't part of theirs. They're like, still like, yeah. I don't want to get a shot. It's going to hurt. Right. But then I would imagine there's some, like, and this is the whole thing with the journey, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure there are some kids who now are petrified of the doctor's right. offices. Every time they go, they're getting a cast on their feet, right? That's right. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's why I think you moms are amazing. I, I do. Like, I keep saying, like, yeah, uh, just yeah. you, the doctors to me have it easy. They're little babies. They're putting a cast on, mm-hmm. you know, a half hour and they're done. And you're left with trying to figure out how to get the bath around casts and not get the cast wet. And change diapers and wearing braces and dealing with two-year-olds who don't want to wear a brace and you know that's that's why yeah yeah you guys are unbelievable that's why the parents need so much support and help because the role is so important yeah so even that education around it is just so yeah. And it's for, you know, whether it's your first child yeah. and this is all a new experience and, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Or for you where, yeah, I don't know if your other ones were toddlers, but in addition to now, yes. all the hoops you got to jump through with casting and bracing yep. for your newest one, you're also wrestling some older ones. And, mm-hmm. um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's probably exciting to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel for you. I know it is true. That's coming soon. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, no, it will, right? It will I mean, come. It will, it will become <laughs> an end. That's right. Yes. She can't wear, right. as our doctor has yeah. told us, she can't wear her braces forever. Forever, right. But right. there is a, you know, the light, there's definitely the light at the end of the tunnel. And at the beginning, it seems so daunting to be like, oh my, five years. That's a long time. Yeah. And now we're, you know, three and a half years in oh, we're like oh geez we're like more than halfway there now yeah. like yeah yeah it's almost there so it does go it does become routine and I think that's what parents in the beginning really need to hear is like it will get easier I promise and that's what I feel like I say almost on repeat all the time it will get easier if you're consistent if you're diligent it's going to get easier but and it's just going to become easier for you too as a parent like I can put on her boots in the dark now, you know, like it doesn't, but when I first started, I felt like I was, you know, barely keeping my head above water, trying to figure it all out. So it does get easier if you stick with it. Yeah. And your mission is so much bigger. Like it's your child's ability to walk. Yeah. And you, you want to avoid any, potential surgical complication or other issues like it's what you're doing is should be pretty tangible you can pick up that little thing and squeeze it you know and so like man just bust it out but easier certainly said than done Um, I know I've had a full night of sleep and (laughs) that's right I know but it Uh, is you're right that uh that's the other piece is that it is really important. The light at the end of the tunnel is not just being done with treatment, but it's like having your child have the ability to do all the things that you want them to be able to do, right? Full mobility, fully functional, pain-free feet, 
at the end. That's it, you know, and that's a very tangible thing to witness. And that's why it's such a big deal when these clubfoot kids take their first steps and like learn to do all the new things. Like everything I watch my child do is new. Like we just got the game Twister and she was playing with her sisters. And like the fact that she was like able to, you know, stand on one foot and then put her foot to the, it's like, I care so much more about that because I've worked, Mm. we've worked all so hard to get there. Yeah. And there's daily reminders of that once they become old enough to move in that way, or when she walks on a balance beam or when she Mm. does hops on one foot, like anything of those, like that don't seem to be big milestones for other kids are like such big milestones for us. They don't go on, you know, for granted for here, you know? Yeah. 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 No. How often do you put on your socks and shoes and not think twice about, you know, how grateful you are that, you know, you can do that. You can walk That's right. And, yep. Uh, yeah, it's a huge part of life. So what are your goals yeah. for Hope Walks in the future? Like, what do you, where do you see it going? Man, I mean, uh, our vision is just that every kid has access to care, right? Yeah. So one of the key metrics that we watch is how many kids under the age of one are mm-hmm. we treating in this country? You know, we can estimate Mm-hmm. what the number what the birth numbers are mm-hmm. and you know in a place in Burundi in mm-hmm. Central Africa mm-hmm. we treated over what we believe to be over 80 percent of the kids born with club foot last year wow so we truly think nearly every kid in Burundi is able to get good care in Kenya we just got over 50 percent mm. you know in in Ethiopia we're slowly getting there you know mm. and so you know, that, that's our vision is, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in just the 16 countries where we work, we estimate there's over 20,000 kids born with club foot every year. And so, um, yeah. you know, let's, let's just slowly, well, I don't want it to be slowly, but let's methodically yeah. and efficiently and effectively start getting and strategically get these clinics out. So mm-hmm. every kid can walk free. And so, you know, that's certainly our vision. Um, right now, it's the 16 countries that God's given us. And, you know, we'd certainly love to go to more. We know there's certainly a need to go to more. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, we have a responsibility to the the countries and the staff and people that we've taught and trained to continue to support them to, to see yeah. it through. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if many of your listeners are familiar with the Global Clubfoot Initiative, GCI. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a group out of the UK. It's a consortium mm-hmm. of clubfoot organizations, international and national organizations. And so they put together a run-free 2030 plan, you know, that how could we do this by 2030? Wow. We've got a long way to go, um, you know, but we've got nine years, well, now eight years. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, let's bust yeah. it out. Like, let's uh, get some resources out there so we can do some more education. and you know, achieve the goals set forth and run free 2030. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, it is one of, it seems doable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like that's yeah. a possibility. Like you could actually, it doesn't seem like those huge things that we're all trying to go, how do we fix these big issues? It's like this, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big issue. It's I mean, big. Absolutely. It's, it's a yeah. big 
you know, there's a big population of, it's one of the most common birth defects. It's the mm-hmm. most common behind, you know, general heart conditions. So it's, but it's, but it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, one of the challenges with it, it's not like polio that if we, you know, get enough injections out there, we can mm. not see it anymore. We're always yeah. going to have it. Yeah. But, you know, if we've been able to do this with polio and diseases in our history, like, mm-hmm. and if it truly is a major education piece and, mm. you know, obviously there's a resource piece to that, but, you know, mm-hmm. we can, get, we should be able to get there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like in the U S like good night, you don't drive to your major city and see someone sitting there begging with club feet because he can't work, you know? Right. And so like, that's unacceptable and we've okay. got to do something about mm-hmm. it so that these folks in these other countries like you and I have yeah. access to the same really pretty symmetry. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good goal. We're trying. We're Slowly, trying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's getting there. But, but it, you know, someone, someone, called me out on it the other day and they're like, you know, you do have to step back a little bit and celebrate the 6,500 kids that you saw walk and run this last year. Yeah. Like each of those truly is a life and a family it's true. community that's impacted. And so, you know, I tend to get locked in on that 20,000 number and be like, good night. We're only at 65, you know, but yeah, it's 65. That's a big deal. And for these kids and these families, and when you meet these moms, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, that they can now wear a pair of shoes and they're running. And most of these kids will never know it. You know, as you said, your daughter will remember the race, but that's about it. That's right. She won't remember anything about her lack of mobility. She's able yeah, to do right. what everybody else does. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the brace painting project and how you came up with the idea? (laughs) Yeah, well, as I said, everything we do is done internationally. We have a small team here in the U.S. There's nine of us here in the U.S. making this thing happen and everybody else is internationally. And so how can we engage, you know, friends in the U.S. who have a passion for this, uh, you know, to make an impact? And so we use what's called the steam beak brace. Mm-hmm. Um, in early 2000, a gentleman named Nikhil Steenbeek developed this very simple brace. Um, yeah, see if you could broadcast your podcast in oh, video, yeah. people could see, you know, yeah. this little Steenbeek brace, you know, simple leather boots attached mm-hmm. to a metal bar. And um, what we've started doing is bringing back the leather top part of those mm-hmm. boots to the US, so Rwanda, Kenya, Zambia, we bring back the leather and we invite people to paint the leather. So paint Mm. the future bright for kids with club foot. So we'll send you out the leather apparel, leather uppers. I mean, we'd send you 20. Like the idea is to, hey, have a sip and paint, you know, bring some ladies over, you know, do a sip and paint, make it an event. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a whole kit. We'll include mm-hmm. the paint, the paint brushes, the leathers, mm-hmm. you paint them, and then you'll get little cards where you can put your name and email address on the little card, mm-hmm. and you'll send them back to us, 
And then we'll send them back to Kenya, Rwanda, Zambia, wherever they came from. And then it'll get made into a brace. And you'll get a picture then of the brace that you painted. Mm. So you'll see it. And so the idea is, mm. a, a, it's to engage folks in the U.S. You know, we right. can certainly hand out boring black leather braces. Mm -hmm. um, but the crazy thing is we found mom's really excited to get a painted one. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what colors, you know, it adds a little bling to it, um, yeah. you know, and it's coming from the U.S. So that's also sort of mm -hmm. what did someone paint kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we actually had a two-year-old apparently I wasn't there, but the story it threw it down because there wasn't a painted brace for him to have. And he didn't yeah. want just a black one. Yeah. And so it's, it's been a way for us to engage families once those feet are straight, mm -hmm. come back in three months, come back in six months mm -hmm. and see what other painted brace you got. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, mm -hmm. we have found it equally as beneficial as, you know, the initial idea was just to engage people in what we're doing. And now yeah. it's actually turned into a fun way. I actually literally this morning got an email from Kenya saying, hey, can we get more of these so we can send them out where there's 28 clinics that we work with in Kenya? And she wants enough to get out to all the clinics in Kenya. So, you know, can we get more of these? So we just got eight. One of our challenges is just getting back and forth, you know, as people travel, especially with COVID and not traveling as much. But yeah, we just had a couple guys in Kenya bring back about 800 pairs. And so, wow. um, yeah, so what, one of the things, and it's I was told, I needed to tell you, it's too late to get them for Christmas this year. Okay. But next year, yeah. next year, we want to, we're going to try and push these out as a unique stocking stuffer. You okay. know, the perfect for your stocking, you know, mm -hmm. for that person, you don't know what to get. Um, give them a pair of leather and let them paint them for us. So, but it's, it's been crazy to see what people have done, you know, taking the back and the inspection hole and turning that into like an eye and creating an elephant. And wow. some people are crazy creative. Some, and some people are really creative. It's amazing. It, it, some of them are works of art that are now on these kids' feet. It's super cool. So it's just been really fun to, and actually we did, we did one of these. We've had, we've had schools do it. We've had churches do it. Um, we had a company, we've had a couple companies do it as mm -hmm. sort of um, like a lunch and learn, or they give back as their corporate social responsibility kind of thing. We had mm -hmm. a company in Atlanta do it, and they did just one lunchtime, you come down, pick up a pair of leather and paint it. And there was a lady who came down who started painting and started weeping. And they were like, why? And she's like, I was born with clubfoot. Wow. No one knew right. it. And here now was her chance to be able to give back mm -hmm. to someone um, mm -hmm. like that. And so it's cool. So then we have a tracking number. So you get a picture of the brace. And then mm -hmm. we just had people do a video in Kenya. And I realized on the video, one of the kids was wearing a painted brace. So we were able to go back and find out who actually painted that brace and reach out to that to that lady and be like, hey, you got to watch this video because your artwork is on this kid's feet in Kenya. And so we don't have the staff. That takes a lot of staff. And a lot yeah. Of we can't get, we can't guarantee it to that level, but yeah. I'd love to, you know, if those pictures do surface, we'd like to try and 
reconnect you with the kid and he actually got your brace but wow it's something we need and so it's a way that people can give back and we say paint the future bright so um, I think that's incredible and I so. do think like uh, so the first artistic piece right so I see I was always so jealous of all the parents who made their casting and they um had the they would create these like crazy elaborate designs on their child's cat. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've seen some of the rest. Yeah. Like I was just, I was like, uh, we could, I could barely like figure out leg warmers that were cute enough. Yeah. Oh, wow. Here's polka dots. That's you cool. Know, so simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. So when people say I'm not artistic, I yeah. say, take a, like we'll, we send two strips of paint. So you'll have whatever. 10 different colors just put simple polka dots on yeah it. and it transforms it from that to something like that yeah you know and you know maybe you're a little less embarrassed I mean and that's one of the other things like if they're always hiding it then people aren't learning about it and so if they're maybe a little more proud about it and yeah. okay to show hey look at this crazy pair of shoes my kid's wearing and look at the awesome paint that someone in America did yeah. You know, maybe that'll help raise awareness a little yeah. too. So anyway, it's there's a lot of positives to it. I think it would be an interesting thing because I talk about in the book about the ways that we tried to celebrate our daughter's first birthday. Mm. And um we didn't want to do like the normal birthday thing. There was there's something about a clubfoot kid in that first birthday. It's close to walking, it's where you're finally down to kind of night and nap. It's like this big celebration right there's just at least for us and I think for a lot of parents I've talked to so it'd be really cool that would have been such an awesome thing for us oh, to that, that that's a great I hadn't thought about like, that but yeah, yeah no, celebrate your kid and even like now at the end that we're coming to the end of the journey and it's like okay so maybe that's what we do and we incorporate her and our kids friends and we try to get them all to come together to create so that we can pay it forward to other send off that last brace that's you know, right like here it is i'm 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 done look at what i've accomplished and now i'm gonna help somebody else by doing something yeah. colorful and bright yeah. to paint their future bright yeah oh, yeah, yeah i think the options are really awesome really so how do people who are interested in it like find out more where do they go yeah hopewalks.org is okay. simply their um, write me scott at hopewalks.org um, okay. yeah I love connecting with families um, yeah and you, on our website get involved you can tap down through there and you'll see brace painting um, if people specifically wanted to do that um, okay you talked about world clubfoot day is a place that we did we've done this a couple times is uh -huh. on it's a way to bring your community or your friends together to celebrate world yeah. clubfoot day just yeah. raise awareness so that's true. Um, yeah, we can send out as yeah. many. We have little bags to send you one or two if that's all you wanted, or we could send you 20, 30. We sent a hundred to a business. And so, um, wow. yeah. 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 I think, I think that's a really cool program and unique. Something yeah. I hadn't heard of before where people can be active participants, where they're not just um, where they can get involved. Cause I do know a lot of parents who are like, how can I help? What can I do to get involved? What right. can I, you know? And um, so something unique and a little bit more hands-on 
whether you're artistic or not. Okay, people, right. like that's yeah. the piece that yeah. I think Scott's trying to say. For the people like me who have no artistic ability whatsoever, no artistic ability required. Stripes and polka dots work. That's fine. But it's right. a great excuse for you to get your lady friends together, buy a couple bottles of wine, and just hang out for the night, paint yeah. some braces, yeah. you know, or you want to do it in the morning around coffee, you know, go get coffee and bagels and paint. It takes, well, if you didn't do polka dot, you probably do it in 15 minutes, but I guarantee you there's going to be people in your group that they'll start working on these amazing masterpieces. And, know. you know, they've got these two canvases that'll take them a half hour, 45 minutes to do. Yeah. But it, it means a ton to the families where we send them out to and it's used like these, yeah. not like this is a show, but like, this is going to actually go on a kid's feet somewhere. And the and you'll know, we could tell you at Kenya or Wander or Zambia where they're going to go. But, yeah. Um, but it's actually usable too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then a memory for them, for those kids to have and to keep to show yeah. their kids, right? Like yes, to keep them well, and to be like, look, look at what I have. Yeah. Well, I've got some of the old uh, threads from around the around the world in my office. Some of these get pretty used when you yeah. think of being used in rural Africa. Some of them definitely show their wear. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool. So I always end the podcast with asking about kind of like a special moment, a standout moment. When it when it's a clubfoot parent, I ask them about their like special moment. Right. Um, I always use how I. Like the, the song Blackbird was like such an important part of our journey. I would sing it to her while she was like right after she was born and then during the casting and that. So it became kind of our thing. Um, but is there a standout moment for you and your work with Hope Walks that's been like extra special? I mean, I'm sure it's all really special. Uh, just yeah, you know, no, it is. Just choose one. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's funny because you shared that question with me and I, I sent you two sort of, I just gave you one liners of places okay. I was thinking. And now as we're talking, I'm thinking of another one, but I guess I have to go back that one of the first trips I went on was to Ethiopia okay. and um, we were at a clinic in Mekele, which is if people are aware of what's going on in the news, um, there's some unrest going on in Northern Ethiopia around this town of Mekele, but we were at the Clubfoot Clinic there, just happened to show up. And this mom and grandma came in with this newborn wrapped on her back. And this baby was all of days old. And they just happened to show up on the day of our Clubfoot Clinic. and man, this beautiful little baby with these beautiful little curved feet. And um, it was just, mom had to be all of about 18 or 19. Mm. And so when I, when I think of these stories, like here she is having her first child, what a joyous occasion it is. And then to hear the, the shame this has brought and the challenge this has brought. Um, and mom grandma ended up taking the baby in to get the cast on and mom just sat in that bench and just wept and she just tried and tried but it's where our parent advisor like that's all she did was sit there and put her arm around her right mm -hmm. and just knowing that hey we're taking our first steps here and mm -hmm. you know just a journey with mom um and i've said to our team like when 
the situation ends in northern Ethiopia. You know, this kid should be seven now. Like, I'd love to go find her, you know, and see where she wow. is. But, um, you know, it's just meeting the families along the way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you about honey. So we were driving through rural India and we were just driving down the road. And I saw this, this school age girl. I mean, she was 12 walking down the street and I'm like she's got club foot and so I made them and it was amazing we had the time to be able to pull over the car I'm like we got like where is this girl like where is she and here she was at the little store buying something and I'm like here's this crazy white guy right like in the middle of India being like can you take me to your mother like I need to talk to your mom like (laughs) and so she did yeah we went up and we walked into this house and again mom just broke down and mom's like oh my goodness god heard our prayers in america and sent you and just to to think of that timing that we would just happen to be in that town at that point as this little girl was walking the street to go buy a piece of candy at the store um and then just to be able to network them into care and treatment right but mom was saying like I was beginning to worry about her education beginning to worry about who she was going to marry was she Mm. who wanted to marry a girl with a with a club foot and Mm -hmm. so you know you just come along these stories that you realize how powerful Mm -hmm. these simple casts are to change lives and um, it's why we do what we do and keeps going so yeah and if those moments don't keep you going, I don't know what does. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, it's 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 these little kids, right? Like yeah. got three precious little ones that are running around. Like I know. how do we get them to grow up so they can take care of us when we get old? Right. Yeah. So, That's what yeah. I always say. It's like I'm doing everything possible to ensure her best future. Yeah. Everything I can do. Isn't that what we all want as parents, you know, to try to ensure our kids have the most potential at the life that they want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the club foot the treatment. Yep. It's no different for me. It's just a, I mean, it's a little bit extra work, but yeah. it, it's still the, <laughs> a the little bit extra work. It's same. a lot of extra work. <laughs> right. But the end yeah. goal is still the same, you know, yeah. still giving her every opportunity possible to have the tools and the ability to do what she can in the future. I do the same as a builder too, just in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But for so many of our kids, they walk to school, right? Yeah. And so if you can't walk, you can't go to school. Yeah. And so it's even just as basic as getting an education. Yeah. So just like the transportation to education. Yeah. And we take for granted that most of us have feet that can get us places. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Which makes your guys' work so much more valuable and important so thank you well it's to me it's you too encouraging moms around the u.s like you know keep your kids embraces you know trust your gut as moms like you know be this champion for your kids speak up for them and uh yeah and go run and play and achieve great things so yeah thanks for you know raising the banner for these other moms you know there's thousands of ladies like you around the u.s that are wondering you know what do we do and i'm very so, aware i'm just one of them you know encouraging so. to all of them so yeah. yeah 
Well, thanks, Scott, so much for being a guest today. I like thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and learning more about what you guys do. And it's really impressive. And I'm definitely going to be doing some brace event. Okay. Some brace painting. Um, I'm not going to guarantee how they're going to turn out. Okay. But they're going to be colorful. All right. That's, that's <laughs> what we need. Something bright. And then, and then someday when this pandemic's over, you need to do a live broadcast from Kenya or something at a club we're playing with uh, that, some of our moms. That, that would be a goal. I would love to do that. I would love that to share their stories too. A hundred percent. That would be, Listen. that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it so much. And again, if you want to get in contact with Hope Walks, you're interested in what they're doing or learning more, you can go to their website at hopewalks.org or you can email Scott directly at scott at hopewalks.org. And as always, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful and enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe, or share with your family or friends or whatever else you're supposed to do with podcasts. And um, if you need to get in contact with me directly, you can do so through my website at marinehoff.com or my Instagram account, which is Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. Until next time. Thanks, guys.